Welcome to this week's episode of Business Wise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. All right, so today this is number six in our series on the conditions. These are states of operation or existence which an individual, a group, or an organization passes through as they increase in their survival or if the step-by-step formula that goes with that condition is misapplied, that they go through as they decrease in survival. We've all seen the guy who has a sudden affluence winning a significant cash prize or something or acquiring a healthy inheritance and then operate in such a fashion that the next thing you know, they are not only broke again, but in heavy debt and worse off than they ever were before. They hit a condition of affluence, and they did not do the steps of a formula that goes with that condition. Each condition, that would be the condition of affluence, of course, each condition has a specific formula or a series of steps that must be executed to ensure expansion and or increased survival. Now, with this series, we are working our way up from the lowest condition or operating state, which is confusion. And then next we tackle treason. So the next condition on the way up is called enemy. Not so low as treason, which is betrayal after trust, but still pretty low. And one of what Mr. Hubbard referred to as the lower conditions. So Mr. Hubbard describes the condition of enemy this way, quote, when a person is an avowed and knowing enemy of an individual, a group, project, or org. Remember that org is short for organization. So he says, when a person is an avowed and knowing enemy of an individual, a group, project, or org, a condition of enemy exists. End quote. Now, avowed means openly acknowledged or declared. So it is easy to see the difference between treason and enemy. Treason is betrayal after trust. Enemy is open and avowed. It is known. You know when you have an enemy. They don't like you. They attack you. They are an enemy. While it certainly isn't very helpful to have an enemy within your group, it is certainly better to have an open enemy than a hidden traitor in one midst. And it is a higher condition from treason. Not very high, but it's higher than treason. One graduates from the condition of treason to the next condition up, which is enemy. Okay. Now, as we went over a couple of episodes ago, the formula or steps one takes to get out of treason is find out that you are. Guy's wearing the colors of the Revolutionary Army, but he's spying for the enemy. He's in treason to his own group. He needs to find out that he is a revolutionary if he hopes to go up the conditions in the Revolutionary Army. But once he has found out that he is, he comes to the condition of enemy. And here we have a different formula, also only one step, and that is per Mr. Hubbard, quote, find out who you really are, end quote. Only one step to this formula. Isn't that interesting? If we look at that formula from Mr. Hubbard, one could conclude that for someone to enter the condition of enemy, 
he would have to not be aware at that moment of who he really is. It's a very interesting observation. If you've ever hurt someone in anger, smacked a child, or beaten a dog, or taken a swing at someone, have you ever noticed that in a calmer moment, maybe, unfortunately, after the damage is done and you're looking at a body spread out unconscious on the floor, have you ever observed remorse in yourself? Like, what have I done? <gasps> we instinctively react, quote, I was not being myself, end quote. Well, you sure weren't, and you sure aren't, if you are in a condition of enemy to your own group, family, or even to yourself. It is strangely apparent that one has to cease to be oneself to perform destructive acts against others. I quote here, did a little bit of research, I quote here from Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, who is an internationally recognized scholar, author, soldier, he was an army ranger, and a speaker who is one of the world's foremost experts in the field of human aggression and the roots of violence and violent crime. He is the author of the book On Killing, which I quote here. By the way, much of Grossman's work is based on World War II studies by Army Brigadier General S.L.A. Marshall, who found, after interviewing thousands of combat soldiers, that only 15 to 20 percent would fire at the enemy. According to Grossman, and I quote him here, those who would not fire did not run or hide. In many cases, they are willing to risk greater danger to rescue comrades, get ammunition, or run messages. They simply would not fire their weapons at the enemy, even when faced with repeated waves of banzai charges. And that's the end of that quote. Do you know what a banzai charge is? We better look that up. So banzai is spelled B-A-N-Z-A-I, and it's a Japanese battle cry, and it can also be used as an adjective, especially of Japanese troops, which means attacking fiercely and recklessly, a banzai charge. So even in the face of repeated waves of banzai charges, in a study done by a military authority back in World War II, that only 15 to 20 percent would fire on the enemy. Now, per Grossman, evidently this percentage of 15 to 20 percent has increased much, much higher today in modern warfare. And now, per the author Grossman, to overcome this innate reluctance to kill another human being, a line of study has been developed that Grossman calls Killology. What a sick subject, right? Killology, which is, quote, the scholarly study of the destructive act, end quote. So now, per Grossman, soldiers are trained to think of themselves as killers and the enemy as deserving death. The subtitle of Grossman's books is The Psychological Cost of Learning to Kill in War and Society. He points out that the act of killing is more psychologically traumatic for the killer than the danger of combat. Now, we've all heard about these all-time high rates of suicides in the military, and this bears this out. We put our soldiers in a terrible dilemma. Kill our enemies to protect us, but don't lose your soul doing it. So, the creation of a killer takes some work. Now, you're, kind of, you're probably thinking, well, wait a minute, how do we get here? Like, I'm talking about my, my, my business, my organization. 
I'm just trying to point out that these mass murderers we read in the headlines today have essentially all been in the hands of psychiatry at some point, which bids the question, what is being done to these people? What does it really take to train a person to destroy another human being? What kind of conditioning does that take? Now, there's a law discovered by Mr. Hubbard, and it's called the Law of Affinity, which he describes in the landmark book he wrote in May of 1950, Dianetics, A Modern Science of Mental Health. And he defines it as follows, quote, the law of affinity might be interpreted as a law of cohesion. Affinity might be defined as love in both its meanings. Deprivation of or absence of affection could be considered as a violation of the law of affinity. Man must be in affinity with man to survive. End quote. That's from the book Dianetics. So think to your own experience. How joyful are you to decide you hate someone? That you're, quote, done, end quote, with that person. That you have now dropped out of affinity with them? Do you feel great about that? Do you feel exhilarated about that? Not generally speaking, right? I'm going to introduce here a term from Mr. Hubbard, the word valence, V-A-L-E-N-C-E. So from a lecture on the 18th of October, 1961, Mr. Hubbard gives a very simple definition. A valence is a substitute for self taken on after the fact of lost confidence in self. So what are we actually doing when we condition a person to be destructive to their fellow human beings? We are taking them out of valence. There is a destruction of their own valence and a creation of a new valence to make a killer. And it's very, very uh, rough on uh, the soldier. We were using these examples in warfare. They are not themselves anymore when they're going out there and being killers. I, I hope I'm not offending any soldiers in this. I have not had that experience personally been in my share of scraps, but not been in the military. But uh, these are coming from soldiers. These are the, this is being written by Grossman, who was a soldier. The research was done by a brigadier general. It is not a natural condition for man to want to destroy fellow men. It has to be, uh, how do I describe it? Beaten in, um, drilled in, uh, forced in to create this condition. So um, he gives another definition. Mr. Robert gives another definition here. He says, uh, the combined package of a personality which one assumes as does an actor on a stage, except in life, one doesn't usually assume them knowingly. This is from a lecture 17th of July, 1957. So when you see someone acting like they are not really themselves, you see... Uh, you know, not to pick on used car salesmen, but, you know, we all talk about the used car salesman valence. Persona is another word you could use, perhaps. Uh, the word valence is very appropriate, though. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But so in you see, uh, you know, someone, you know, trying to pick up uh, another person to create a sexual relationship. A lot of times they're not really themselves. Uh, and you can observe this, they are actually in another valence. A person does have their own valence, but then they also have many 
assumed valences. And uh, anyway, if you want to know more about that, read the book Dianetics, where this is fully, fully described and where it comes from and so on. But we're not getting into that one that right now, but I am just pointing this out, that in order to become an enemy, it would appear that one would have to adopt a different valence, a different personality. By the way, Hubbard describes this further. I'd give you this derivation. He uses the word here, valens, which is V-A-L-E-N-S, means powerful in Latin. It is a good term because it is the second half of ambivalent power in two directions. It is a good term because it, it describes the intent of the organism. So the organism is adopting a valence to acquire power, a power. This valence seems to be more powerful. Remember the earlier definition where in order to adopt a valence, the confidence in self has to be eroded. I just remind you of that earlier definition. I'll quote it again. A valence is a substitute for self taken on after the fact of lost confidence in self. So if one can break down the confidence in self, one can then introduce a power or a valence that would seem to be more survival for the person in probably an irrational manner, okay, in a logical manner. So you see someone who's attacking the group. They are doing actions that are destroying the group. Within the group, they've taken on this condition. They are an enemy to the group. And when a person comes out of treason, now they are aware that they are something, that they are a member of the group. They now need to do the next step, which is the enemy formula, which is find out who you really are. Find out who you really are. Now, this is the only step in the formula. Mr. Robert doesn't go into any particular other steps to bring about this discovery of who a person really is. It's up to them to do it on themselves, which means it's probably not that difficult. It probably isn't. You know, it, it doesn't need any further steps. Tell a guy, okay, you're an enemy. You want to get out of enemy? You want to stay in this group? Find out who you really are. And the guy might have to do a little soul searching on that. Who am I really? Am I really this vicious, destructive person? you know, that's been stealing from the group and chasing away new customers by being overly aggressive with them, knowingly, knowing that this was going to be bad for the group. But I was getting even with my boss. I was getting even with the other members of the group. They slighted me. So now I'm going to show them and I'm going to make sure that people that I talk to that are calling in that are interested in services see a bitch instead of, you know, what I've been drilled to do, what I've been taught to do, I'm going to now demonstrate because I'm going to get even with everybody. I'm going to get back at everybody. That person has gone into enemy. They're gone into enemy. And, and you'll notice even when a person is dramatizing that condition, when they're acting out in that condition, they're not being themselves. They're angry. They're, they're upset. They're being weird in some fashion. Have the person sit down and say, look, you want to come out of this condition? Find out who you really are. And uh, if they can do that, and they probably can, probably just takes a moment, sit down and really look it over. Am I really this person? No, actually, I, I actually find myself, generally speaking, I like to be friendly with people. I like to connect with people. I like to have friends. I don't want to 
be in some sort of attack mode all the time. That's not really me. You know, have them find out who they really are. Have them do the formula. Have them write it out. Write it down on pieces of paper. I've seen enemy formulas that are a page and a half long. It probably could be longer than that. Could be just a line or two. But the important thing is not that everything is written down. The important thing is that the condition actually changes. Remember that. A formula isn't completed because it sounds good on paper. A formula is completed because it changes the condition and improves it and, and goes into a higher condition. You can have the most eloquent enemy formula presented to you, written out, but if the person didn't really do the step and find out who they really are, well, then uh, formula's not done, no matter how eloquently expressed. The thing that tells you a condition is done is not what's written and presented to you. It's did the condition change? Did the guy come from the condition of enemy to the next condition up? And that condition is a condition of doubt. You know, uh, I have doubt. I'm through enemy. I know who I really am. Now I'm, I have doubt. And so doubt is uh, the next condition up, and we'll be covering that in a future episode. Maybe not the very next one. There is one other thing I wanted to cover with you before we leave enemy altogether. But um, that's your formula. It's a very simple formula. Don't make it overly complicated. Uh, main thing is recognize the condition. Do the step. Okay? And one will find oneself in the next condition up, which is doubt. And we'll talk about that shortly. All right? That's it for today. Short episode, short formula, short episode. Hope you got something out of it and you will use this formula properly. We haven't covered it before in business wise and all of our almost 200 episodes. I knew I'd skipped a few condition formulas earlier. I wasn't sure which ones. This was one of them. I looked and dug through all my archives here of business wise episodes and there was nothing on the subject of enemy or on the condition of enemy. So this is filling in that spot, why I wanted to do this series, to make sure we covered everything for you in one fell swoop. Hope you're enjoying the series. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Give us a like if you liked it. Uh, leave us your comments. We read them. We don't always answer them. What we do answer is your email. So if you write us at info at wiseeastus.org, we will always answer those emails. We love to hear from the listeners try to handle the comments if I can, but uh, we get you know, we get kind of busy. But I do enjoy the comments, so please don't hesitate to leave them. And thank you very much for listening. We'll talk again next week. <laughs>